Do you want to run further, faster, or stronger? Do you want to enjoy your running more and generally be a better version of yourself? You're in the right place. I'm your host, Alan Ladd, a running coach and nutritionist. My aim is to help you improve your running from 5Ks to ultras by providing you with the knowledge and tools you need on training, nutrition, and mindset, as well as giving you the inspiration to dream bigger, achieve more in your running, and to make it fun at the same time. Welcome to the Running Rules Podcast. Let's get started. Hello everyone, thanks for tuning in and it's episode number 35 of the Running Rules Podcast. Today I'm going to be talking about everything you need to know about cross-country. I'm going to be talking about what it is, the good points, the bad points and some of my tips for cross-country season coming up. As you'll probably know if you've been following along to my bonus series, then I am targeting the cross-country this season. I'm targeting the Masters cross-country, so if you want to find out how that is going, then check out the bonus series. Um, Those episodes are about 10 minutes long, just every week charting how I've been getting on with my training, how I'm thinking about the race, and gives you a bit more insight into my own personal ups and downs with training and racing. So hopefully that's really uh, useful for people um, and you'll find that everyone has these ups and downs and hopefully that will help you to come to terms with anything that you're going through as well. Cross country is a great way of building a good strength base for springtime. So it's definitely worth something, uh, definitely worth considering if you are if you have a big target in the spring and you're not quite sure how to keep ticking over, um, it's a good thing to have uh, in your CV. And um, it's definitely, if you've never tried it before, this episode hopefully will give you a few ideas as to the good and the bad with cross country. So stay tuned and let me know how you are feeling about cross country at the end. So first of all, I'm going to talk about what is it. Um, I think my very first memories of running were at school in games lessons. And we didn't have a, a strong cross-country team. We were a rugby playing school. Uh, we played hockey as well. Uh, and I wasn't that keen to get involved in those physical sports. I'd played a bit of football in um, in primary school, I played a bit of cricket. Um, didn't like cricket once I started getting thrown in with the big lads who could th- uh, bowl the ball pretty quickly. Um, so I started trying to get out of games lessons. I wasn't. I enjoyed watching sports, but was never really that sporty. So I was always trying to get out of it. But when you couldn't get out of it, um, you were made, especially in the winter, to go on cross country runs you would be going out with all the ki- one or two of the kids who were very talented and would actually go to these cross-country events and be competitive. And then everyone else who didn't have any interest and was just thrown out into the fields on a cold day in skimpy shorts and vest. And it was not my idea of fun back then. And I think, spoiler alert, it's still not my idea of complete fun right now though it does have its um good points and obviously some bad points about it as well i think it's quite a unique experience though and it if if you 
either have never experienced it um, at all or you've only experienced it way back in school and it's definitely worth giving it another go to see if it's something that you can really get to love. Um, some people love it, some people hate it. And I think I probably love and hate it at the same time. I think a lot of people probably feel like that. But what is it? It's um, unlike road racing, you are going to be running um, cross-country races, are usually out in the fields or around football pitches. It's basically going to be on grass um, as opposed to trails. So trail racing is more on woodland paths, things like that, where there's actually a marked path out on the course and it's through maybe woods or could be up in, in the fells as well. Cross country is a bit different because it's usually just all on grass. It might also be through trees as well, but generally you're not going to be on too many paths. So it is all going to be on, on grass, although that grass can quickly turn into just muck. <laughs> uh, very thick, deep muck from time to time. And I'll go into a bit about how that happens um, a bit later on. Um, these races are typically going to be marked out with uh, sticks and tape. So unlike road races or fell races, well, some fell races or trail races where you're basically following a path, this isn't going to be a path as much. Um, it's going to be marked out with um, tape uh, between poles. So these are basically courses that are set up on the day rather than being actual um, routes that you would run normally. So that also means that it's slightly different from a normal race where it's pretty obvious where you're going. Um, these races, it's, it's nothing to worry about. I mean, you're going to be, f unless you're right at the front, you're going to be following the person in front as in any race. And But there is possibly the scope for going slightly wrong if the course isn't marked out properly or the marshalling's not good. But generally, the courses are well marked out and they are well marshalled. Uh, and that's a good thing about these races. They're also usually looped courses. And a loop is usually going to be in the region of one mile, possibly two miles, or somewhere in between. Typical race lengths are going to be 6k to 8k um usually quite often the the women's races are slightly shorter than the men's races so typical races could be 6k for the women 8k for the men or three miles for the women four miles for the men um occasionally you'll have longer cross-country races uh, especially at the end of the season here in northern ireland and I'll, i will talk about specifics for our cross-country season here in Northern Ireland. It may be different wherever you are, but in our cross-country season, we have a final race that is 12K for the men, and I think it's 8K possibly for the women. Um, so they are different lengths, usually different number of loops. So it could be two loops for the women, three for the men, or three for the women, four for the men. And they usually take place at different times as well. Quite often you'll see the Masters um, men, which is... Masters is very 
confusing term. Um, so I'm going for the, the master's trials. And in that case, master's means 35 upwards. But quite often when you see vets or master's races, they will be 60 plus and the men will be will be running with the women. So they'll do slightly shorter course as well. Um, but generally speaking, the women are going to go first and then the men. And actually before that, you may have uh, kids races as well. Quite a lot of these cross-country races will have kids races as well. And there'll be anything up from primary school right up to under 18s as well. Quite often these races are put on by clubs and it's also um, usual that there is some kind of team event. So there's in each individual cross-country race there may be a team event but then there may be events um, that contribute to a cross-country league as well. And this really sort of boosts the number of people running and gives a, a, an extra focus to to races that quite often aren't there in, in road racing. Quite often you'll just be there running for yourself. Occasionally there are team events in road races as well but it's quite often few and far between and that's quite, quite a nice touch with cross country is that there's this team aspect to it. So again talking specifically about the Northern Ireland League there will be about eight races in the league and each club will enter people into the race or you'll you'll enter yourself into the race but affiliated to your club and then every person that finishes will gain a point up to a certain number of runners so this year it's 10 so the first 10 that cross the line from your club will will secure a point so you'll get 10 participation points if you've got 10 runners and then after that You'll also get bonus points depending on how well your runners have done. So usually it's the top three or four that score for the team. And the scoring is usually done by adding the place that each person has come in. So say to come first, second, third and fourth, you'll add one, two, three, four and get 10 points. And the lowest points wins the competition. Um, in Northern Ireland, again, you have the top eight teams will get bonus points they go 16 14 12 10 8 6 4 2 um whether you've depending on whether you come first to eighth and they'll be added to your score and then all of the points are added up uh, at the end of the season there's all sorts of extra little caveats and things about which races count and which uh races you need to do um <laughs> It's quite convoluted and quite complicated, but essentially the thing to take away here is that even if you're not one of the faster runners, you can really be important by adding an extra participation point to, to your club or team. And it does give it that extra element and dimension of competition, which is really helpful. Uh, and it's certainly one of the reasons that I've participated in as many cross-country races as I have. If it was just down to me um, for myself, um, I don't think I would have done half as many as I have done. The other thing that is um, specific to cross-country is footwear. And whilst some people will say you can run cross-country races in trail shoes or normal shoes, I really don't recommend it, especially not in our corner of the world, because um, 
the ground really gets churned up very quickly, um, especially in this wet climate. Um, even if it's not been raining that day, quite often it will be churned up even before the men have started. So if you think about there's going to be kids races and then the women's race and then the men's race, already by the time the men have started, that course can be churned up with people running on it. And as the race progresses as well, it gets more and more churned up because if it's four loops for the men, by the time you've come around your fourth loop, then you've had that many people in the race going round it three times already and churning it up. So you really are better off getting cross-country spikes and there's so many different shoes to choose from out there. But the one thing I, I would recommend is that when... It, when you get some that you like, take out the short, short spikes that come with them and purchase an extra set of at least 12 millimeter spikes. I've never tried the 15. I think they go all the way up to 15. Um, usually they will come with six or nine. Um, I would swap those out and put 12 millimeter spikes in them. Uh, that will give you the extra grip there as well. Um, so that's definitely something to consider if you're going to be trying this. Obviously with any shoes before you race in them I would test them out, take them onto the grass, make sure you're comfortable in them. Cross-country shoes can be quite minimalistic. Um, the first couple of pairs that I had really didn't feel much like a shoe. The ones I've got now um, are a little bit um, a, li a little bit more I wouldn't say cushioned, but they feel a bit more comfortable. Um, it The others were a bit like wearing a road racing flat. Um, so when the terrain's quite hard, which isn't very often, but felt very hard underfoot. Um, and then the bonus of that is obviously that they're light and it's easier to, to pull your feet out of the muck when when they get in there, but um, I, I do like the slightly more, or almost feel more like a trail shoe, but not quite as heavy, the ones that I have now. Uh, they're the New Balance XC3, XC7 version three. Um, I really do actually like those. The, the ones that I had previously, the Adi Zero XCS are quite good, but they're, as I was saying, a bit more minimalistic, a bit a bit harder to run in, I think. Um, so it it's a preference for everyone, but I definitely recommend screwing those shorter spikes out and getting uh, you can get a spare set of um twelve millimeters and put those in. The other thing to do is to make sure after every race that you still got all the spikes left because I've definitely lost some before. So do screw them in quite tight because you can lose them. Um, and then poss then make sure you clean your spikes as well because when I got my spikes out, having not cleaned them after the last race, which was in January and we're now in October, I found that the spikes had rusted into the soles or, or into the into where they were screwed in so it was really difficult to get them out um you can machine wash the, the shoes but obviously not with the spikes in them so you need to be able to get those out um so do after after that horrible uh cross-country race do 
go and clean your shoes whether it's that day or the next day because you'll regret it later on down the line if you don't that's a bit about what cross-country is um i'm going to talk about the good points and the bad points but i'm going to take them in categories so i've got about nine points here that i'm going to talk about and really there's a pro and a con for for each of the categories that i'm going to go for um so first of all it's different and that can be really beneficial first of all because it's a different training stimulus it's um something different for your to build up different strength in your legs um different mental racing tactical abilities as well because it's very very different from road racing um and it can just increase or, or maintain your interest as well so especially getting into into winter when getting out the doors a bit bit harder um it just gives you something different to to focus on and to think about the downside of it is that if you do enjoy racing on the roads then this is quite different you might miss the sort of predictability of road racing um so there's a trade off there for some people i definitely think it's it's good it's a good thing to do and it does mean that you have something different in your locker in terms of fitness and and technique for other people it's not going to suit they're happy enough running on the roads all year round and to be honest i'm in the in the halfway house there um i do like the variability there's definitely things that i do like about cross country but i do miss road racing and especially has it been focusing this cycle on cross country and i haven't been doing marathon training i've definitely missed aspects of that marathon training um this time round so i haven't been doing a lot of the really long runs the really long uh, miles at the weekend or the really long tempo runs uh it's been challenging me in other ways with shorter faster sessions and also sessions on grass as well which i'm not used to um easy sessions i would quite often run on grass anyway so that's not different for me um i would mix that up quite a bit anyway so and i do recommend to run on grass from time to time as i say it's it's different from running running on the road so don't go straight into running loads and loads on the grass if you're not used to it but i think dropping in a session or two here and there and building that up so that you're used to running on different surfaces different shoes um it can really sort of help mold you as a more complete and all-round runner the second thing i'm going to mention is that the general conditions and i mean sort of the weather is not great um <laughs> during the winter that's an obvious uh, understatement here what that means is it's a bonus because cross country is a way of getting you out if you're really struggling with motivation to get out um then cross country races and helping out the team can really sort of focus you and try and get you to get out when you wouldn't necessarily do and the other thing is that you feel great afterwards um so even if it's been horrible conditions really cold you're absolutely mucked up 
you know, everywhere. Your your legs are covered in muck. When you sit in in the bath afterwards, um, it feels really good that you've actually been out and done something in not great conditions. The obvious downside is that it can be really bad, freezing, wet. One time I, I did a cross-country race and we had the gazebo there as well. And I think everyone, half the people left as, as soon as the race had finished and we were standing around trying to get this down. And it was absolutely freezing. I didn't have enough layers afterwards. That's one tip that I will give you is to bring layers to put on afterwards, especially if it's cold, because you'll be probably okay when you're running. But as soon as you finish, if you're not straight back into the car, getting home, then it can be really, really cold and you can cool down really quickly. The third point is the underfoot conditions, which I've, I've talked a little bit about already. So the kids races and the women's races are usually first. Uh, so that means it's, it's good for those races and people taking part in those because the course isn't going to be as bad as it is for the men in all likelihood. Um, even if the conditions are quite bad overhead, then usually the first few loops aren't too bad and it's not really got too churned up. Um, so that's a real plus if you are racing in those earlier races. The downside is obviously for the men, as I mentioned before, every time you've got people going round that course, round that course, round that course. So by the time the men come, you might have had, you know, I don't know, 10 kids races where they're all doing a lap or two each. And then the women's race, you've had that many people go round. And then by the end of the men's race, if you've done four loops, then it's really, really going to get churned up. Um, so there's a trade-off there. Can be good for some people. It's going to be bad for others. And I think regardless of where you are, having the spikes, um, that additional grip is really going to help. Um, sometimes it doesn't even matter if you've got the spikes. If it's that much muck, uh, I don't think it gives you <laughs> any benefit at all, really. Um, you probably can get round, but... Certainly going up the hills, it's a big benefit having the spikes on the front of, of your feet because that's going to really give you grip to get in and make your way up the hills. The fourth point is about physical strength and there's pros and cons to both of these things. So the pro is that I do believe that running in cross-country races gives you more strength and I've alluded to that already. It gives you a different stimulus for training and for racing. So normally, if you're running on the roads all the time, it's fairly consistent. Um, you're going to be fairly confident that it's a reasonably flat surface. You're going to be guaranteed that you're going to get quite a bit of energy return or, or, or most of the energy return back as you take each stride. So you don't lose a lot of energy into the surface. And what that means is that you can get quite, I would say, almost one-dimensional in your running. It's very predictable, and that means you get very fit in some areas and possibly not as fit in others, especially if you're running on the flat all the time. If you're running on hills, then it's going to be a little bit different. You're going to be using different muscles, and you should be mixing things up into your training 
either hill sessions or every so often putting hills into your easy runs or especially your longer runs. But let's say you just run on the flat all the time on the road. You're only going to be building those same muscles. It can be very predictable. With cross country, you're going to build a lot of strength um, in various different parts of the body, but especially in the ankles because the it's going to be uneven underfoot. So you're going to have to counterbalance all the time. Um, but also in your legs, you're going to need more strength to pull your feet out of the muck all the time and really try and get the power in. You're going to lose so much power into that soft ground sometimes that you really have to try and generate more power to keep yourself going. And that's why from the time point of view, it's much harder to run as, you know, anywhere near your road speeds on grass. If it's relatively firm, then yes, you might get close to them. But once it's get once it starts to get very soft or um, once you start getting that muck, then it's really difficult to generate the power. Um, so you will build strength by doing this kind of different training, different racing. The, but the downside is, though, that you need the strength. So it's kind of a vicious circle. If you don't have the strength, then it's difficult to be able to do well on the grass because you need the strength, um, but you can't get the strength unless you do do the training. So obviously the solution to that is to practice on the grass. Um, don't do it all at once, uh, as I said before, because um, you may not be ready for it. Um, I used to think it was a good thing for people to do a lot of training on the grass. I'm now less sure of that. I do think it's good to mix up terrains, but you want to do it gradually so that you're not suddenly putting your ankles under all of this stress of unevenness. Uh, build it up very slowly. But you do need the strength to be able to do well. Um, and I think... I was going to say that's one thing that maybe I don't have. I think that's definitely improved for me. I have done a lot of training on road this year. Um, I think another part for me is the mental side of it. But we'll talk about that in a little bit. I think from a physical point of view, it's great for, for building strength, but you need that strength as well to do well. So it's a pro and a con from that point of view. The fifth point is time. And as I've just alluded to there, because it's such a harder service surface to run on, you're losing a lot of power, or a lot of energy into the ground by compressing it down as you take each stride. It does mean that your time is going to be, or your pace is going to be slower on uh, cross country as it is going to be on road and the other part of this is and this is something I should have mentioned at the start when I say that the races are typically 6k and 8k they're not measured to you know with a trundle wheel like a, a road race should be um, they're not properly measured course distances because it's very difficult to do that anyway but especially if you're setting the course up you know from scratch on the morning of the race with just some poles and some some tape then it's going to be quite inaccurate and quite often you'll see it an 8k 
or a five mile coming at 4.6 miles or something like that. You know, it, it's very loosely the distance that is specified. So with that, and also with your pace being very different potentially from your road racing pace, I mean, for me, it's difficult to even run marathon pace for the, for the duration of a five mile race on cross country, unless it's very firm, not much in the way of hills but certainly if it's really hilly a lot of muck then I mean not even be anywhere near my marathon pace and that is indicative that in a marathon I can just get into a rhythm and just maintain that rhythm and you really can't do that in cross country unless it's flat and firm so time goes out of the window a little bit and the good point of that is that there is less time pressure um, it's very difficult to know what is good and what's not so good for you in terms of pace. The downside, though, is is exactly that. It's hard to know what is good. Sometimes I look down at my watch and I'm just really alarmed at how slow I'm running compared to what I know I can do on the road. And that's not really very helpful because there's not much you can do about the pace you have to really check in with the effort level and make sure that is the right effort level. So I have to be putting in, for a five-mile race on cross-country, I have to put, be putting in the same effort into that as I do in a five-mile road race. But it's going to feel different because um, it's not consistent, it's not predictable, whereas you can get into a rhythm on the road, it's quite difficult to do that in cross country so one good way of doing it um is if it's looped if it's a looped course is to try and work out how long you're taking on each loop so that you can gauge whether you're slowing down or speeding up that is really probably the only way you can pace it and get an idea of whether you are progressing or regressing throughout that race you can't even compare it from one year to the next because the the conditions underfoot could be completely different. You know, you could have had torrential rain one year and then, you know, a very dry autumn and it's the first race of the autumn. It might be very different from one year to the next. So on the one hand, it's a plus because there's less time pressure. It feels like time is almost irrelevant as it, as it were. But the downside of that is it's quite difficult to judge what is a good effort and what's not. Number six is the laps. And that is a plus, as I've just said, because it means you can pace how you're going based on the lap time. The other good thing is that as you go around the first time, you can get an idea of where the hills are, where the tricky bits are and generally just get a feel for what the course is like you probably when you're warming up you can probably go quite close to the course but you're probably not supposed to really run on it so you're not going to get full appreciation of exactly what the course is like but certainly on that first lap you will do you'll get an idea of where where to push where to consolidate and that's really helpful on the flip side, um, it does get harder, as I said, as the course deteriorates each time, it does get harder to run on. 
there's also the chance that you may get lapped as well. This happened to me in my first cross-country season. Usually, I usually would get lapped by the front runners, especially if it was on a three-lap course, maybe not. Um, but certainly on a four-lap lap course, then I would get lapped by the front runners, which some people don't mind that. Um, some people that would put off. I mean, it wasn't a huge amount of people and... Now I would lap a few people, it wouldn't be that many. Um, so it's possibly, I think it's probably a negative, to be honest. Um, I don't like that feeling of being lapped, obviously. Um, and knowing that you've got to do another lap after they've already finished is a, a little bit dem demoralizing. Um, but it's something that you just kind of have to put out of your mind and focus on what you're doing and not what everyone else is doing. The downside also, if you're at the back, is obviously that the course is more churned up for those people at the back because especially if you've got people lapping you, then they're churning it up more. So it just becomes more and more hard for the people that are at the back, um, which isn't really fair. Obviously, if you think about a road race, um, that wouldn't happen. It's basically the conditions aren't going to change massively. The overhead conditions can potentially change, but the you know underfoot is going to be exactly the same whether you're first or last. So that's not the case with cross country. So the people at the front have it easier because um, the course isn't churned up quite as much. Point seven is the budget. Um, the cost of this and it's it's really a low barrier to entry for these races yes probably in the last few years since covid they probably have gone up a little bit i think races in general have just got a lot more popular um, and cross country is not really an exception um, i do think so far from what i've seen the cost is a little bit more than it used to be but compared to road races it's still cheaper the downside to it is that it's very rudimentary usually there's you're not going to get a medal at the end of a cross-country race you'd be lucky sometimes to get um, a feed or anything like that sometimes you will get something and that's that's a nice booster but i, I don't go into cross-country races expecting that there's going to be um, a feed quite often it's quite it's difficult to do that because um there might not be the facilities where the course is whereas in a road race it's quite often possible to make that road race fit in around a venue where you could then have refreshments afterwards um, but you're not going to get a medal or a t-shirt um, you're just going to get the kudos of having finished this race but it's fairly inexpensive from what i've seen so far Point eight is the competition. And by that I mean that I, I would say a, a possible pro and a con is that cross country can be quite competitive. Um, typically at a road race, I would be placed quite high up usually, uh, unless it's attracting a, 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 a big contingent of the top runners. Um, cross country seems to attract quite a lot of good runners all the time and also you won't get as many back of the pack runners probably because there's enough 
other things that back of the pack runners are happy to do. Um, park runs, races at this time of year. There's quite often a lot of Christmas runs coming up. Um, and those are all really good races and good events to get into. I think cross country doesn't really come onto people's radars as much unless they're part of a, a club. And at that point, um, it, it might come onto the radar as a potential way of being part of a team and gaining a point for people. But the, the plus side is that everyone in the team helps, especially if it's part of a league and you're part of a club, then everyone is contributing. So turning up and doing a cross-country race can really help um, your team, your club, and it can really build that sort of sense of camaraderie that you don't really get with any kind of road race. As I say, there's not that many road races where there's a team element, and it doesn't really make you feel part of something. Uh, we really targeted it in our club about five years ago when we finished fifth in the league, and a lot of that was not down to us having the fastest runners out there. Um, we very rarely got any bonus points, but it was just being consistent, getting people out over the time. And that was, that was really sort of compelling to keep people engaged in cross country. Um, so it, I do like that sense of competition. It does mean though, unfortunately, if you are one of the 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 runners towards the back um you'll probably be closer to the back than you normally are and that first season whilst i would have been usually you know easily in the top half maybe in the top quarter of races on the road i was consistently down in the second half of the race in cross countries and this time round um you know if i was going to a local road race i would i would be hopeful of getting top 10 top 20 um maybe in the bigger races you know 30 40 something like that um like my first cross-country race this time out of 100 and don't know what it was 150 180 i was i was about 50 so that's you know about a third down down the list and that kind of shows how much more competitive it is and it's just i think it's a combination of less back fewer back of the pack runners coming or fewer middle of the pack runners coming and more of the the faster runners turning out for their teams trying to get those bonus points um so that will maybe put some people off but i really would again try and think of not what everyone else is doing but think about your own progression think of your own experience and think of being able to help your team um contribute a point to the league as a as a whole and i think that's a really good thing to do and a thing to get involved in and you'll definitely progress on the first cross-country season that i did i don't really have a clue what i was doing um was turning up to these races not really any idea and i still do get that a little bit to be honest it was a bit of a baptism of fire the first race that i did this season but you do get more and more clued into what you're doing and you will progress on and hopefully um, be able to help your team in years to come as well by getting involved now. The final point I wanted to talk about, um, it's kind of along the similar, similar lines, but the fact that the races are all split up, if you think about a road race, all the men and women are going to be together um, on the, in the same race, 
most for most races, unless you're talking about elites at London Marathon, for instance, that are going to be going first. The women will go first potentially, and then the men. But for local races on the road, everyone's in together usually. And whilst I think that's a good thing, um, there's no reason necessarily to to split people up. It does mean that if you're in a family, it's quite difficult to potentially it's quite difficult to do a race together so we don't have many babies babysitting options um, and probably if we did we might not want to use them up on road races but it does mean that we wouldn't necessarily be able to race that that much together with the races being separate it does mean that you can bring your kids along you can support the women's team then you can race yourself and it does again build that camaraderie and make everyone sort of have a place um with there being kids races as well it means that the kids can get involved first and then the the women and then the men downside to that is we were planning to do this for the for the first race of the season and we realized it's basically going to be an all-day affair because our kids are being the youngest races there on on first. And then you've to wait for all the rest of the kids' races to finish, then the women's race, then the men's race. It ends up being a very long day. So that's the, the downside of that. Um, and if you're going f- for, if you're going far away uh, as well, adds on that time of traveling element. And if you're traveling as a team, obviously you've got to get there early enough for the women to race first and then the women have to wait around until the men have finished. So there's pros and cons to it. Um, I do remember, again, thinking back to that season in 2018, how amazing the support was, especially for, from the women. Um, I feel bad because it's, it's a bit harder for the men to support the women because the women's race is usually on when you need to be doing your warm-up. Um so it is a little bit difficult to support uh, the women as well, unless you're running around the side of the course and then shouting every so often, which is what I try to do. Um, but certainly we were very appreciative of the women staying afterwards and cheering us on. Uh, really made a big difference. So those are the good points and the bad points. I'm going to go through a few tips if you want to get into cross country. So the first one I've already talked about is um, get a pair of spikes and change out the short spikes for a pair of 12 millimeter spikes. Um, you can buy those online easily anywhere. Um, Amazon, all good retailers. Um, not all good retailers, but all good retailers that stock these things. Um, but do get a pair, do practice in them because it is quite different running with those on to nicely cushioned road shoes on road it will feel very different um so get used to those um find something that that is relatively comfortable but is going to give you enough grip um and do practice second thing is to practice on grass so not just to get a pair of spikes but then practice on grass um it's something I haven't actually done a huge amount of, um, surprisingly. Like I say, I do run quite a lot of my easy efforts on grass. 
but it's only been recently but coming up to the race that I've been doing a lot more of my sessions on grass and certainly if you want to be a bit more competitive then I do think trying out those um, some of the sessions on grass does give you uh, a bit more training stimulus and a feel of what it's going to be like it is very difficult though to recreate the race situation because it's very difficult to find that muck that you're going to be running through uh, in an actual race situation. So whilst, yes, it makes sense to go and try and run some of your sessions on grass, you're probably not really going to be able to recreate it that well. So there's a trade-off there. Um, don't put all your eggs into thinking that it's going to be like what it is when you're training because it will be different and be prepared for that the first race that you do they won't be anything like what you've um, practiced on grass it will be tougher especially if it's been wet during the week um, bad conditions during the day third tip is especially for newer cross-country runners look for the better ground on the course um, but don't be afraid to just plow on through the muck as well so um, you can spend a lot of time and a lot of mental capacity trying worrying about what your line is going to be through this, but gr generally speaking, the the f the further out from the corner that you are. So if you're taking a corner, the further out that you are, um, then you're likely to maybe find a bit of better ground, which can give you a bit more grip. Uh, obviously, the downside to that is you're not taking the racing line and sometimes it is just better to plow on through the muck. Now I'm a little bit um, picky about when I do that and when I don't. If it's on the flat then I don't mind plowing through that muck so much. If it's on a downhill that can be a recipe for a disaster um, and if it's on the, an uphill which tends not to be as much but can be then you're again you're probably better looking for ground where you're going to get a bit more grip um when you're on the flat you can kind of keep going through that muck it's when it's on a hill that it's a lot harder so look for where that ground is good and also remember it from every time that you go around remember where the good lines are and don't necessarily follow the people in front of you because everyone's going to take a different line through the course um, so trust yourself, keep looking around and keep thinking. Number four is kind of a difficult one to maybe change straight away. And again, anything that changes your technique, I would be very cautious about introducing it. But if you find that you are generally quite a pronounced heel striker, then I would practice running more on your midfoot um, and possibly on forefoot for cross country because that is where the spikes are and that's where you're going to get more grip. This is especially important when you're going downhill. Um, a lot of us, I think, have a tendency if we're a bit nervous or we're going downhill and we're trying to put the brakes on, we'll start start landing very flat-footed or maybe heel striking that is a recipe for disaster because if the grip is on the front of the foot 
and you're trying to break by hitting the back of the foot, you can end up just sliding over, um, sliding onto your back. So do try and keep that turnover going. Keep trying to maintain that strike on the on the midfoot, um, especially on the hills and especially uphill. I mean, it's very difficult to heel strike going up a up a hill, um, but obviously you need the grip to get up those hills. Um, so that's where getting more, getting a lean into the hill, getting a little bit more onto the midfoot is going to help you get up those hills. Number five is to warm up properly. It's the same for any short race. Um, these are fairly short to middle distance races for most people that are going to be listening to this. Obviously, if you're used to running 400 meters on the track or 800 meters on the track, then it's going to be a long race for you. But a lot of people listening to this are going to be used to running 5Ks up to ultra marathons potentially. And six to eight K is relatively short distance. So you really need to get a good warm up in, especially when it, it's cold outside because it's very difficult to get going if you're not warmed up properly. And it means that you'll either go too hard when your body's not ready and the rest of the race you'll spend dying or you'll take too long to get warmed up and and into the race and you'll lose a lot of ground at the start so getting that warm-up in at the start is very important um i would say at least 15 20 25 minutes potentially depending on how short the race is um you don't have a lot of time to build into that kind of kind of race so uh, it's very important six is to be mentally switched on and vigilant from the start so I mentioned this before about taking racing lines, but you might have to deal with things like tree roots if you're going through trees, um, people around you falling over, um, ups and downs, uh, trying to stay on your feet. There's all these things to think about that you don't really have to think about with road racing as much. You can kind of get into a rhythm, go into your shell if you want to, and just keep maintaining that. In cross country, it's totally different. You really have to be switched on in your mind working the whole time, which is an extra drain on your mental resource, extra drain on your energy. But if you're not switched on, then you can end up either making a, a mistake of tripping over something, going sliding down um, a bit of mud uh, or banging into someone you kind of need to have your wits about you and um, hopefully if you do then you'll have a good race um, but it's very different from road racing from that point of view. Number seven I talked about a little bit already is to think about effort rather than pace so if you're used to running a certain pace for five miles on the road then you can throw that out the window because you can throw that out the window even if you've done the same course last year. You don't know what the conditions are going to be like, whether it's going to be different. Um, you might have a gale blowing in your face. You might be, it might be a swamp underfoot. So it's really not that helpful to think about pace. Um, the way to do it is to think about effort. Am I working at the right effort level? Um, you can potentially use heart rate if you know what you're doing with heart rate 
and see am I working correctly in the right heart rate zone here. But it's kind of better just to go on effort, I think. Um, heart rate can be a bit in inaccurate and maybe not give you the full picture either. Effort is probably the best thing to go on. Now, it might feel a bit harder because, as I said, you're spending a load of mental energy as well, thinking about things, and so it, that may add on a layer of difficulty, which you're, is not actually mirrored in what your body's doing. But generally speaking, the effort level is going to gauge whether you're at the right you know, intensity or not. So go by that. Also, you can use, as I said before, the laps um, to see whether you're falling back. Also, look at the people around you. Um, are you being passed by loads of people? Are you passing loads of people? Because these things will give you an indication of which way your race is going. Um, it's very obvious sometimes if you're being passed by a load of people, it probably went out too hard. And I think it's it's impossible for me to say whether you're more likely to go out too hard or too cautiously. Um, I think if you go by pace, though, you're much more likely to go out too hard. Um, it's very easy to look down at your watch and think, I'm not even running marathon pace here. I'm going to, you know, try and truck on, get get faster here. But after the first lap, you know, your laps start getting slower and slower happens to me quite a lot in cross country so I have to take my own advice here um, the pace looks quite slow and yet I just keep on getting slower and that's a really not a good feeling um, so just try and gauge it um, you can try and ease in maybe that first lap especially if you're not being too competitive or it's your first time just go out and jog that first lap and see if you can build in to to the race um, but if you are being competitive, then it's being right on the right intensity right from the start and not past where you should be as well. And the final one is just to give it a go. So number eight is give it a go, especially if you haven't ever done it or you haven't done it for a very long time. You'll probably get something out of it that um, you didn't think was there or you didn't know was there you'll get a benefit in terms of your mental toughness you'll get a benefit in your physical strength um, and you'll just get experiences that you look back on um, I still look back on some of those cross-country experiences even in a marathon and think at least it's not as bad as that that's quite often what I think about cross-country there's no point wrapping it up sometimes sometimes when it's hammering down with rain, it's a swamp underfoot. There's not many worse places that you can be running in. Yes, you could be running in the Sahara Desert or the North Pole or something. And I'm sure that's quite a bit tougher than what I've described. But in terms of what we're used to and where we push ourselves to as, a, as you know, an everyday runner, you don't test yourself in these conditions that much of the time, uh, especially if you're a road runner um, most of the time. So push yourself out of your comfort zone. You'll definitely get something out of it. Even if you hate it, it's definitely worth giving, giving it a go and seeing what you can get from it. 
So I hope that's been really helpful, giving you a bit of insight into what cross-country is, the good and the bad points, and some of my tips for navigating cross-country. And do go and have a look at your local fixtures, see where the next cross-country is, and have a think about getting a pair of spikes and giving it a go. Um, I guarantee, as I said, it will be an experience that is different from anything that you've done previously and will build you up in in some way and always worth trying something new and finding out whether you like it or not. As I've already said, cross country can be a really good thing to use during the winter to build your strength and especially if you're looking at a big spring race, a half marathon or a marathon, can really sort of lay the groundwork of that strength and base um, aerobic capacity that you need to be able to do well in those events. If you do have a big race coming up in the spring, either a half marathon, a marathon, or even a 10k or an ultra, do think about investing in coaching. It's really going to help you get to where you want to a bit quicker. Even if you feel like you sort of know what you're doing, you've had a couple of good races, um, think about having that extra support to be able to push you on to 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 faster things quicker if you have recently done your first half marathon or marathon um i hope it went really well for you you can definitely shortcut some of that learning experience by investing in a coach and i'm taking on people at the moment to help them with the next level of their journey whether you are already doing marathons um half marathons or you're just starting out it's never too too early or too late to start thinking about working with someone and that can really give you the structure that you need the push that you need the accountability that you need but also the specifics the training the nutrition the mindset and how to execute the race to the best of your abilities so that you can get the best experience that you want out of it. So if you are interested in that, do give me uh, a message on Instagram at the running rules. Um, and I would love to talk through what your plans are for 2024. Thanks for listening and I will speak to you next time. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I really appreciate you taking the time and I hope you've got something to take away and action in your own running. If you enjoyed the show, please hit subscribe and recommend it to someone you know. If you're struggling with your own training or want to get faster and stronger and not sure how to, therunningrules.com forward slash coaching is where you can find out more about getting personalized help with your running and nutrition to take you to the next level. Have a great week, stay consistent, focused, and most importantly, enjoy your running.